from Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. Hello out there in Radio Land. Uh, yet again, for clarification purposes, we are in Studio B for the recording of this show because it's. this is a cool studio. I, I, I like this. I miss the hominess that was Studio A. You but, like that you have your king chair behind the desk and all of us are around you. I'm not going to lie. That is that is kind of baller. But anyway, I am your host, moderator, Justin Russell. Joining me here in Studio B, uh, to my left, ironically, he, or not ironically, he's the Joe Biden political operative, Democratic political operative, and lawyer, bar certified in the great state of Maryland and Virginia, in the District of Columbia, Dan Lipner Esquire. Hello, Daniel. Howdy. And to my right, she is the former media goddess for the U.S. State Department. She's the one we know as Erin Harbaugh. Hello, Erin. Hello. Joining us on the line as he does every Tuesday when we record this, he is the author of such great political books as American Politics on the Rocks. He's Rich Rubino. Hello, Rich. Hello, Justin. And, uh, of course, behind the glass, we have Charlie Burney, our proprietor, our benefactor, and just great board op. Oh, yeah. And uh, also in there keeping us honest, Maddie the Engineer, doing Maddie the Engineer type stuff. And Rob the Engineer is roaming around looking very regal. Uh, Also joining us here is uh, one of our interns. He is Thomas the Intern. Hello, Thomas. Hey there. Hey, what's going on? You going to tell your parents that you've been on the radio now twice? They'll be so excited. I I can tell. Have them download. Have them donate. Anyway. Uh, We're talking presidential politics here because as we record this, everybody's in Nevada. And by the way, you got to pronounce it Nevada. If you don't, they lose their minds. They are, I mean, they are just rabid about calling it Nevada. Oh, also Oregon, too. It's it's Oregon. Oregon. But no, Mm -hmm. no, Nevada, if you call it Nevada, they lose their crap. Wow. Anyway, uh, the Democrats are swarming on on, uh, Nevada, and it is a free-for-all, a political free-for-all, where we are seeing... Pete Buttigieg coming out with a win in Iowa. Apparently, we're still trying to figure that one out. Uh, we have Bernie Sanders coming out of New Hampshire with a slight, tight, tight, tight win. And we've got uh, Amy Klobuchar, who is a money-printing machine, coming out of New Hampshire. She has raised, in a week, $14 million. That's $2 million a day, Dan. That's kind of big in a big in a big race like what we're seeing right now, two million dollars a day is not bad for Amy Klobuchar. I'm only responsible for one day of that. Oh, oh. <laughs> is that the day you came back to DC? No comment. Okay. Anyway, uh, and then of course we're looking at what's happening is the 300 pound mayor in the room, and that being Mayor, former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg. Uh, I want to do a deep dive into what is happening with Bloomberg. In case you haven't noticed, Michael Bloomberg in many polls is polling as high as third or even a tight second in Democratic voter polling. He is what was thought to be going to be dead man walking amongst minority voters, that particular Hispanic, Black, and Asian votes because of his record possibly in New York City. We're seeing actually him surging with black votes, Hispanic votes, and Asian votes going into Nevada and leading up to South Carolina and ultimately 
leading up to Super Tuesday on March 3rd. Dan, when we talk about Mike Bloomberg, he spent over $200 million just in TV ads. That doesn't include the other media buys he's done. And is obviously what he's doing is working as far as polling. Is it sustainable? Is Mike Bloomberg the real deal? I mean, this is the first time we've seen a real billionaire run for president and dip into his own wallet. So um, it's to be seen. There's, this is without precedent. Uh, and thus far, it seems like money well spent. He's going to be on the debate stage for the next debate. Um, he's rising in the polls, and now he's going to start drawing fire. But, but here's the thing is, what about the argument that says that middle America won't buy into a New York billionaire buying his way into the White House? Well, won't buy into a real New York billionaire. They've bought into a fake New York billionaire. Uh, so, but th- I mean, this brings up a big question: is because of the fact that you know there still is no. No, no. The, the, uh, I mean, this I, is a I, big we need, deal. We, we need to clarify that question. Yeah, the, yeah. the guy in the White House claims to be a billionaire, and Middle America voted for him. But, but here's the thing: is we still don't know. I mean, we have heard here in D.C. and we've heard nationwide that part of the mystery of Mike Bloomberg is we don't know exactly how. Rich he is. There are estimates that say he could be the richest man in the world by upwards of 200, being worth upwards of $200 billion. The reason why we can't see it is because he has a philanthropic trust that he's put half of his net worth into, and that's still growing in money. He's got his, uh, he's got other trusts all over the place. And then he's got his own, you know, my daily flash cash amount of money. But nobody can really tell us how much money he's worth. When you talk about, and now I've heard the number as high as $2 billion he could spend on this campaign out of his own pocket, that's a bar tab for him. Is that dangerous or is this sending a message? I mean, it's not particularly good for democracy. That said, in the Trump era, all bets are off. So it's worth noting, and we have to keep repeating this point, while Mike Bloomberg does want to be the Democratic nominee for President of the United States, he has also said plainly that even if he is not the Democratic nominee for President of the United States, he is going to continue to spend money to ensure Donald Trump is not reelected. So, yeah, is it anti-democratic as far as the small d, um, making sure that democracy of dollars and democracy of everything else is at play? Yep. However, considering the um, the the uh, the the, uh, the fundraising event that Donald Trump is having with the CEO of Oracle, and those aren't exactly the uh, the, the working class folks that Donald Trump claims to be uh, backing. So yeah, this is a different field and a different battle entirely. The real question is going to be what happens with uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Uh, once Bloomberg is on stage well, with them, I suspect they're both going to lose their minds. We're going to talk. We're going to talk about. We're going to talk about but Warren that's, and that, Biden. But yeah. that's that's part of the fight. Yeah. And Bloomberg's get, getting his what you're supposed to get once you hit uh, the credibility phase of your presidential race. He's suddenly being vetted thoroughly, right? And that includes his stop and frisk policies. Some comments rather, he's some, made some, about some, farmers. 
Women. Uh, the, no. the, 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 the farmer's <laughs> line apparently was a, 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 out, of a, context. a out of context. Right. But uh, things stop about women, frisk. things about uh, stop and frisk. There's also other the issues. Old people, the old people. The, 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 the 90-year-olds can go and live his, their lives his, out. His, his, uh, his interesting comments about redlining and the, 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 the poor bankers that were abused that helped cause the financial crisis. Um, <laughs> the, uh, he, he's had some interesting choices of words. Um but that said, yeah, he's clearly on the debate stage. He's, to his but, credit, seems to be money well but spent. But Aaron, is this really bad for democracy? I mean, you've got a pre- you've got a guy who has the ability because everybody's saying, look, we got to take money out of this. We got to take you know, we got to take the dark money out of this. Uh, the, you know, the five hundred three C four money. Don't, don't say everyone's saying that. It's not everyone. It's what? It's people on the progressive left that are saying that. Nobody on the right saying it. What, saying, what, take the money out of it? Not a soul on the right is saying take the no, money out true. of politics. That is true. No, that, that is true. That is true. That is very true. But for those that say we got to take the money out of politics, and here's a guy who is literally saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to go dollar for dollar for you. Pay to play. Out of his, well, is it really pay to play, or is he investing in – Is he is he – is he literally putting his money where his mouth is, saying, look, you are bad for my investments. You are bad for my country. I'm going to do this. I'm going to put my money in. Is that necessarily undemocratic? Well, <laughs> a lot of things have been undemocratic lately. So as Dan pointed out, you know, I mean, is this how you uh, have to beat fire with fire? You know, perhaps. I mean, I think. Uh, but he's Bloom- not taking any donations. It's money out of his own pocket. Well, I think that Bloomberg yeah. is, is smart. I mean, he's basically creating a political campaign space for himself and, um, you know, by, you know, buying kind of the Democratic, not buying the Democratic ticket, but but supporting the Democratic ticket regardless I mean, he's bankrolling it through November, right? So, you know, I think that affords him a great amount of tolerance from Democratic voters. And I think he's obviously waiting to play his cards, which, you know, I think we'll see how this plays out. But it will be interesting now that he's joining the stage. Right. I mean, Rich Rubino, we're talking about a guy here who served 12 years. he, He served three terms, 12 years. Two terms of them as a Republican, the last Republican mayor of New York City. His third term he did as an independent. This is a guy who was the chief executive of what some are calling, Rich, Dan, help me out here, could be the 10th largest economy in the world in New York City. I mean, he's got the bona fides more so than maybe a lot of people on stage. Um. What what is the criticism of him making executive decisions, i.e. stop and frisk? What is the criticism of him dropping crime down to its lowest numbers, him dropping uh, gun violence down, and him coming back and saying, look, I made those decisions, I am apologetic. Is, Is he taking a beating unfairly, or is this a fair criticism of Mike Bloomberg? Well, I mean, of course, that's assuming that he would deserve all the credit for that, and I don't know how you would necessarily quantify that. I'm sure there are other factors as well. But, I mean, I think that in terms of Michael Bloomberg, the question is, in a Democratic Party that's moving further to the left, he's essentially the last um, bastion of Clintonism. 
He talks about, you know, he's, he's essentially a combination to the private sector and the public sector. It's not we're just simply not where the Democratic Party is going right now. His candidacy would have been perfect in some part like 1992 after the party had been out of power for 12 years, and they were looking to somebody who could bring, up, bring in a lot of suburban voters who they thought could potentially unify all, all, could unify the right of the Democratic Party, and the left would become dicking and, kicking and screaming, which is what happened with Bill Clinton. But right now, you have a Democratic Party where 76 percent of the party essentially says that they would support a socialist for the Democratic nomination. He's anathema. He's everything that the current Democratic Party is not. And I think with the Democratic Party with an ideology moved to, with an ideology that's further left than center left, he's kind of come in Damn. here and he's almost kind of like purloined the process. I think that's really what the problem is amongst the, amongst, amongst the party is he's not where they are right now. Dan, from what Rich is saying, this is the reverse Jimmy Carter syndrome where we have a bunch of center, center, left moderates running in a field, and the one huge monster progressive is the one getting a lot of attention. It's the reverse Jimmy Carter, where Jimmy Carter was the one moderate in a field of hugely left liberal progressives, and he ended up taking it because he he caught the silent majority of Americans that went, you know what? We think, need a moderate. I, I, I think, well, your, I think your analysis is still wrong, Jimmy Carter. There, there, there's yeah. still the last gaps of the the Dixiecrats that a Southern George governor uh, was was there to help kill off. Um, so Jimmy Carter, uh, being from the South, was an important move to keep the Democratic Party together and to say, by the way, not not everyone. But the other in the three South, people he was running against were very much of the progressive left. Well, I thought you have a few, you had a few. You, the ones on the left that year, you had Mo Udall, you had Birch by, and you had Mo Udall, Birch by, and Fred Harris, who were essentially the Sanders and Elizabeth Warren of their day. But you also had Scoop Jackson, who was the early front runner that year, who was very conservative on foreign affairs, and you had George Wallace, who would have been, a, who certainly would not be a Democrat today, who was a conservative Democrat. But you also, in that year, you had the phenomenon of the party had just lost 49 states in 1972, and there was a movement of the Democratic Party, plus they had lost in 68, that we just wanted somebody who was right. electable. And part of but, Jimmy, Carter's, Jimmy Carter's persona was that he was anti-establishment. The fact that he only served one term as governor of Georgia actually worked as a plus point for him because he said he wasn't part, he wasn't untainted by Washington. But, so uh, it was kind of the perfect right. that storm is, for That him. is actually the... So, Removing Barack Obama's formula fr- from from the math, because I s- still maintain he is an aberration in Democratic pol- politics. This is a return to normalcy. The what? Yeah. The what the current cycle is. The current cycle is a return Where to normalcy, meaning the, the 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 chaos that is the Democratic Party, and also the as as Rich correctly said, do you want to win? And the mm-hmm. that was part of Bill Clinton's selling point. Uh, in 1992, are you tired of losing? The Democrats have been out of the White House for 12 years, and the the and, the, the the move to to moderation, and while it pissed a lot of people off on 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 the on the edge of the on the edges of the left, Bill Clinton led the path toward a a middle and, road. Mind you, the right still called them a crazy liberal, but Bill Clinton was can, actually a very moderate president. Can is that? Is that still a viable approach today? I mean, that's to be seen. I mean, this is why we have elections. And while my my own prediction is that uh, Bloomberg's going to have to see how he responds on his feet to the, the very credible issues that have been thrown against him. Now, worth noting, he did not implement stop and frisk. That predated him. Right. 
his, that was a Giuliani policy. His big failure with stop and frisk was not that he implemented it, but once the evidence became clear that it did nothing more than cause more but, harm to people who were but, nothing more than being brown or black when they left home. But Aaron, oh, go to Aaron. He, he, no, no. Once go ahead, that go data ahead. was once that data was in, he stuck to his guns. And that's where the problem wait, 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 lies. Wait, 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 wait. Let me not to defend Bloomberg here, but if you are the mayor, if you are the mayor of the largest city in the country, that has historically had a problem with high crime numbers and high gun violence numbers, and you are the chief executive of that city that tells your police commissioner and your NYPD that says, "Look, this is." Whatever's happening, the evidence, what it is, the larger number is we're seeing the lowest crime rates in city in decades. We're seeing a drastic reduction in the in the number of violent gun crimes that are occurring. And we're seeing a reduction in the overall crime numbers. The crime stats program is evidently working. Why should... I mean, he's he's owned the decision. The he's United owned States, the decision because this is it, this is the United States of America. And at a certain point, yes, you have to, in order to be stopped, there has to be a reasonable suspicion. And when that reasonable suspicion, well, they're is talking never, about, never laid at the feet of white people. <laughs> it suddenly becomes, yeah, this is great for me walking down the street, but for a black guy or a brown guy who gets who gets stopped and frisked and is late for work, or worse yet, gets caught for having a a a, a pittance of marijuana on him and suddenly gets still illegal. Jail. Still illegal. Still illegal. After, I mean, at, for an illegal I, stop. Right. Well, so you agree? that's the point. And once that evidence became clear, Michael Bloomberg could have pivoted away from it and said, "Listen, you know, we were we were trying do to do buy, something dramatic do you for, buy his, for the crime issues that were in New York." And we and now that we have seen the light and those problems are no longer there, and I and it was absolutely a mistake to take as far as we did. He, he didn't reach that point until he announced for president, but Aaron, which sounds a little convenient. Yeah, but Aaron, wait a minute. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. He has always stood by the fact that his main <clears> – again, I, 20 minutes ago, he said he, – he, he, Wait a minute. He came back and he said, look, I am not happy about the decisions I made. I apologize for the decisions I made, but – once he, he was, once he ran he, for president, once he announced he was running for president, okay, so, he so, made that announcement. Oh, wait, so so many factors on that. Hold on, I'll ask Aaron this to include somebody else in the conversation on this one because I'm going to jump in on this. You, you know, so he's going to get vilified for making New York the safest it's been, the lowest crime numbers. He did high, not do that alone. He, Numbers, you're right. He did do that alone. Going, he did that. He did that with numbers, the assistance of the New York City Police Department, the New York, the New York City District Attorney's Office, and the AOUSA and Roe v. Wade. The crime numbers were going going down nationwide. The United States is literally the safest it has ever been right now. We're, right whoa, now, the United whoa, whoa, whoa. States is the safest it has ever been. We are seeing crime All data points. Oh, come on. For, for, for certain crimes. I mean, for violent crimes. But I, I know there's, you know, violent, nonviolent but, crimes, you know, but for violent crimes, absolutely, yes. But but for should Mike Bloomberg be faulted? I'm not saying it is without uh, explanation. I'm sure I'm not saying that Mike Bloomberg does not have to atone 
or justify those decisions, but should he be hit on decisions he made as the mayor of New York, not unlike what Mitt Romney had to go through when they started attacking him on his Romney care stuff in Massachusetts, his explanation was, I made decisions as the chief executive of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts that I believe were in the best interest of my constituents. Mike Bloomberg says the same thing. Romney care worked. And, and but did not Bloomberg's crime prevention policies work in New York? The numbers say they did. No. Well, that's assuming, though, that there's the no other factors The numbers don't say involved. they did. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Rich Rubino first, and then Aaron, and then I'll go back. Correlation is not causation. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. I mean, I remember, for example, Rudy Giuliani always taking credit for um, for, for for the crime drop during his administration, and that actually started in David Dinkins' administration. Does that mean David Dinkins was responsible for it? No. I mean, I think that there are just it's so many it's so many factors. It's like in the economy when someone says, you know, this it's like this whole thing about Trump taking credit for the economy and Obama taking credit for the economy. Like the only factor in that economy was who the president of the United States was. I mean, there are a lot of other factors. One of them being just world market stuff that the president has absolutely nothing to do with. Right. Now, is, is Michael Bloomberg part of that? Sure, he's part of it. Is he the only thing? Is he the only part of it? I seriously doubt it. And my guess is that if there was another mayor of New York City that, you know, say Mark Green had beaten him in 2001, that the crime rate probably would have been very similar yeah, to what it was Rich, when Rich, left office. But here, here's the problem with that is, you know, if, if you want to go back and saying, well, it started under David Dinkins, those numbers, because I'm familiar with those numbers, didn't start tracking down until the last six, maybe seven months of David Dinkins' administration, at the same point, one would say, I mean, look, then why are we putting all the blame on David Dinkins when we could put blame on Ed Koch and the crap show that he ran? But well, yet he's, it, he's looked at as one of the great show, mayors of New York. No, that's uh, Rich that is saying things are multi-causal. You also have the full implementation of the 94 crime bill that put community policing on the map. There are a zillion things that were at play. I mean, hell, it's part of the thing that right. killed Hillary. The, 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 the harsh penalties for crack cocaine were to get folks off the streets as much as possible. But why vilify? But why vilify? I mean, it's and, and by the way, we're hearing the same thing at a much because smaller, lower 85, level. Because 80 to 85 percent of brown and black people that were stopped wait, 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 were wait. innocent of anything, so, which so, is not how things work in the United States. <laughs> but wait a minute. We're hearing the same thing about... Uh, Pete Buttigieg, during his term as mayor of South Bend, Indiana, although he's not getting it to the extent that Mike Bloomberg's getting it, but we've heard a lot of criticisms about his policies, and there are many numbers that show that, unfortunately, his policies created a safer South Bend, Indiana. And there's also some evidence for for Mayor Pete's uh, time as mayor that the uh, the the uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for. Um, Police violence went up. And there were more claims against the police department during his tenure. Fair enough. So, yeah, you know, the these, none of these things exist in a vacuum. No, that's fair. Yeah, Go ahead, Rich. Leaders, chief executives do not have plenary potentiary power to control everything. It's not like you just click abracadabra as soon as somebody comes into office and then all of a sudden, you know, jobs are either created or jobs are lost. If that were the case, then everyone wait. would essentially do the same thing. Wait, 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 wait. Unless your name is Donald Trump. Factors. It's true, but wait, wait, wait. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is that there are certain policies when you start involving, you know, stop and frisk, when you start involving criminal justice policies, those policies implemented at a large scale 
whether you're in L.A., New York, Chicago, Miami, Atlanta, insert large city here, those policies implemented are going to see not immediate next day, but they're going to see very, very large returns in very short amount of time. That's that's why they implement those type of policies when it comes to criminal justice. Right, but I'm just saying it's a factor. There are a lot of other factors, and sometimes presidents get good luck. Sometimes presidents get bad luck. Sometimes governors get good luck. Sometimes pre- governors get bad luck. And sometimes it's factors that are, so, quite frankly, beyond their control. So, Aaron, coming back to, to Mike Bloomberg is, the the other question is, is, can Mike, is Mike Bloomberg the only one that can beat Donald Trump in a head-to-head? Does, is, you know, we, I, I, I don't necessarily think so, but what do you think? Does anybody know? I think that's the, 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 the great question that, that most Democrats are asking what, themselves. What do you think? Gosh, um, personally, I, I think that, I, I think a lot of Democratic voters, myself included, um, are, are kind of overwhelmed right now, to be honest. And with the field changing so much and so much activity happening in the last few weeks, I think that many voters are still trying to figure out who is the most electable. And um, I'd love to hear Dan's perspective on electability. I think, you know, many Democrats say, well, you know, we, we need to just find whoever can beat Trump. That's that's the best candidate. I, I don't think yeah. that's a, a very good criteria to measure uh, somebody's fitness for president. But, um, you know, I think that people are, are looking for electability above all else. And um, I'm are they? I think many voters. Yeah. Democrats, by far, it's the number one issue. Is electability. Yep. Absolutely. It's, Democrats, with the, the only potential carve-out being the, 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 the Team Bernie. Um, but, 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 it, but, 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 but it's that, worth noting, and this is when we're talking about the Bernie juggernaut, the Bernie juggernaut seems to have topped out at 30% uh, within the Democratic Party, which is a thing. Now, that 30%, if they don't turn out in November, if Bernie's not the nominee— that's a problem. But by the numbers, most of the field beats Donald Trump, most of the field that's left. That includes uh, Joe Biden. That includes uh, uh, Mayor Bloomberg. That includes Warren. That includes Klobuchar. And it even includes Mayor Pete, even though I would suspect Mayor Pete's numbers are still a little soft since people don't know a whole lot about him. And Normal human beings don't know a whole lot about them. Most people still don't know. <laughs> well, define who, normal human beings. People who don't listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of a yeah, this is, dick thing to say. Thanks. That's one thing that that's. Bloomberg, We're not normal people. <laughs> We're sitting Again, here on a Tuesday afternoon talking about politics for fun. This is not what normal people do. That's, you might have a point there. <laughs> Jackass. Thank you. You're Trump killing card, me. again, is that electability issue and the fact that he is just like Bill Clinton in 1992. In the 1992 Democratic primaries, there was Tom Harkin, a senator from Iowa, calling himself a no apologies liberal. The Democratic constituency that year was probably closer to where Harkin was than to where Clinton was, and for that matter, where Paul Songus was. They're the two new Democrats, the two most conservative members of the entire, Dem- of the entire uh, Democratic 
of the Democratic candidates that year, they rose to first and second place because all the Democrats cared about is we've been out of power for 12 years. Eventually, Bill Clinton won, and they kind of, you know, they held their nose and they voted for him. This is a very similar circumstances, except for some of the Tulsi Gabbard people and some of the, some of the Bernie bros. The general consensus among the Democratic Party is we want somebody other than Donald Trump, and we're willing to compromise right. some of our ideology but, in order to get that but, person. But, but here, here's the thing, and, and, and we're going to go on to the, the 2020 Democratic field now that we've done this deep dive on Bloomberg. Welcome to the show, Mayor Michael Bloomberg. The, the one thing about it is— Try to sound couple, more excited. Huh? Try to sound more excited. I, I like Mike. I'm, I'm, I'm it's worth up. noting, Steyer's been bumped from the stage now, so Bloomberg— Yeah, Bloomberg's a big billionaire now. <laughs> only, only room for one, apparently. Only, yeah, apparently. The so, only question is, where will Bill de Blasio's constituency go? You had to mention Bill de Blasio. Anyway, um, no, a couple Actually, things. De Blasio has been firing some pretty hot shots at Bloomberg. Um, it's not quite yeah, clear. Yeah, but, what, what yeah, he, but what, de Blasio, let's be, also be honest, de Blasio has about as much street credibility in the city of no, New York what my, right what now. No, what I'm saying is I'm not quite certain what, what, the, what, what his political gain is by, by firing. Becoming I mean, the he, attorney general under a Bernie administration? I mean, I suppose it's plausible. But vice I mean, presidential it, candidate, which it, would be it, stupid. It, it, it seems like—no, he can't be. <laughs> no, no, he literally can't be. I know. Well, the president and vice president can't be from the from same the, state. They're not—no, no, no, I'm, not, I'm talking about— Bernie's from Vermont. Bernie's from Vermont. Oh, Bernie, sorry. Right. I, think, I was thinking Bloomberg, sorry. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Um, and, and by the way, Bernie is from Vermont. Yes, I'm no, aware of that. Um, well, he was born in Brooklyn. But yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> true. Um, a couple of things on, on Bloomberg. A couple of observations. Number one, I mean, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. $2 billion to Michael Bloomberg is a bar tab. This guy is literally going to put his money where his mouth is with, with FU money. And it won't hurt him at all. I mean, this guy is literally going to say, and, and, and Dan, I want your perspective on this. Which is the bigger factor for Michael Bloomberg? Is it the F Trump factor or is it the I want to be president factor? I mean, he said it's the beat Trump is is number one, the number one goal. But it's also worth noting something I remind my Democratic friends often about for all the Hillary issues. She had a half billion dollar financial advantage over Donald Trump. And she ain't president. Well, she was about as likable as a rat trap. Right, but it's still how you spend the money that matters. Now, she could have spent the money differently and still won Michigan and Wisconsin by simply having a, a more Showing robust GOTV. No. <laughs> no, I, no I, they're, 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 you do realize there's more to elections than, no, I, than, than I, the I candidate. I got that. I got that. The, but, ha, ha, having but an incompetent say, GOTV plan when, when which I was say, not spending money. No, but when I say get out Kenny the vote. Baldwin on the ticket. <laughs> No, I mean, I mean those, those there there is there are there there are a lot of factors involved. So the idea that Bloomberg, with his you know putting up one billion or two billion dollars on the field of play, yeah, it's going to scare the hell out of the Trumpies. That said, the Trumpies found a way of winning last time around. That's the scary so part. It's worth noting that nothing is guaranteed, and I, like many many other people, it, 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 an awful lot of humble pie for the three days after the election, sitting there staring at staring at the screen, swearing that it must be a dream. Aaron, Aaron, I just want to throw something random into the mix. Um, you know, perception clearly is not reality, not in these times. But I, I just came across an interesting piece of information that. Uh, appeared today in a Washington Post and I'm sure other sources about uh, a, a review that the Pew 
um, organization, which is known for doing studies right. of media and polling, right. Right. Um, reliable source, um, looked at uh, the, the polls in which Trump is rated favorably. And um, it gives an interesting analysis. But the primary point here is that these numbers are, are often inflated. So in terms of looking at these candidates, in terms of who can beat Trump, uh, the numbers that we are seeing for Trump over the Democratic, you know, uh, candidate is 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 something that we should look at critically, I think, because obviously these, you know, we have numbers, but how do we get to these numbers? And I think in some cases we need to question that. And uh, what you see is not necessarily indicative of reality. Right. The Rich Rubino, the, the, the thing about it is we look at the rest of the field. Uh, Joe Biden probably has, and Dan, no, no disrespect, but Joe Biden's probably got the most to lose going into Nevada. He's got to have a strong showing, and it seems to me like he's putting all his eggs in South Carolina and almost writing off Nevada. Is, is, is that? That seems to me it's we. He left New Hampshire early to go straight to South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, I mean I, but, yeah. I, I, and I also know for a fact, and uh, the uh, the field folks that I worked with uh, in Iowa, all of them were deployed to Nevada. Nevada. So, they, uh, he is not writing it off completely, but, but it's not going to be a win. But uh, unclear. Keep in mind, caucuses are a different creature. Um, <laughs> they just are. we saw that in Iowa, <laughs> uh, and worse yet the the democratic party in nevada is changing the, the rules real time because of the disaster in iowa as far as use what they use of the software use of the software right, and how they're counting right. things so it's to be so, seen exactly so, what's going to happen so let me ask you so this much question so that the national democratic party is actually getting involved to try and make sure that nevada is in the same kind of chaos that, that Iowa was that Iowa was well. It cost it Actually, cost the it cost the chairman still is Iowa still hasn't quite figured out. Well, what, they, what it cost it cost the chairman of the Iowa Democratic Party his job, is and they were talking. So? About, they were t- they were talking about him being uh, executive director of the DNC at one point, which I thought was interesting. Um, but but here's here's the bigger thing is how much Rich Rubino is. The Biden campaign on house money or borrow time? Uh, we're going to find that out in South Carolina. I think that. I, does, Nev- the- does Nevada not impact him? I mean, because here's the thing you look at the fact that the largest union, the culinary unions in Las Vegas and throughout Nevada, 75,000 members, all with get out the vote haven't endorsed anybody, which in any other reality world would have been a Biden lockdown. Right. No, absolutely. But he's going to be able to spin the whole Nevada thing the same way he spinned Iowa, say, you know, you know, he's not going to call anyone a uh, dog-faced pony soldier, (laughs) but he's going to say that, you know, the the difference between a caucus and a primary, and then he's going to put all of his eggs essentially in South Carolina, and that's why I think he's spending so much time there. Because he knows that the African American vote, he knows the African American vote is essentially his firewall. He knows that's a state tailor made for him, and he thinks if he can somehow pull it off victory there, then he go to Super Tuesday, and he's got the momentum coming from South Carolina. Obviously, if he does not win South Carolina, 
And there is some showing that Bernie Sanders is doing very well, specifically with millennials in the African-American community. Then I don't see where he goes from there. I think that the establishment, specifically of the Democratic Party, will probably consolidate amongst either, either Mayor Buttigieg or Amy Klobuchar. Or even Michael Bloomberg potentially. Uh, well, Michael Bloomberg's on the on the debate stage, as we pointed out earlier in this in this podcast. He's not on the ballot. He's not eligible for caucusing in uh, in Nevada. either Nevada, Nevada or in the primary in South Carolina. Yeah, um, but actually, that's the thing we need, we, we, we need to pl- play forward. So traditionally, and this is where the 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 big change is occurring. Right. So traditionally, momentum builds for a candidate, and then going into Super Tuesday, you have a flood of money, and the Super Tuesday states you cannot possibly have do the same kind of politicking you did in the early states. It just it, it won't work. The size just won't won't allow it to occur. Michael Bloomberg skipping all of the early states, going straight to Super Tuesday. And using things where just money can buy you buy you access to folks who are the casual political uh, observer who haven't really been paying attention to what's occurred in I- either Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, or South Carolina. Suddenly, their first introduction is those ads that, and I'm seeing them all the time online. But they've been I running. I cannot escape Michael Bloomberg online. But he Bloomberg, shows up constantly. Bloomberg has been running ads since before the New Year. In many of these markets. That's my point. So this is not first exposure Super Tuesday. It's still first exposure. After seeing Michael Bloomberg ads for the past four months? Listen, I work for a guy who spent $5 million to get 5% in the polls in the primary. TV does not not buy everything. So the the failure is also a good lesson. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say Steve Forbes, another perfect example of that. Yes, actually, Steve or, Forbes is a great example or, of that. Or, <clears throat> Jeff, or Rudolph, Rudolph Bush Giuliani. had a ton of money, and he's he's on the outside looking in on the Trump presidency. Right. Did, Rudolph Gi- Rudy Giuliani skipped uh, New Hampshire and Iowa, went straight. Yeah, he went straight to Florida and did nothing. Did nothing, right. Well, Al Gore in 1988 skipped Iowa because he said it was an arcane procedure that creates that, cre- that creates phony that creates loony results. Well, and then, that, of course, he, that was proved right, and that was not wrong. right a lot later on. But he let's, skipped let's Iowa talk, and New Hampshire that year. Let's talk a little bit about the rest of the field right now. Is Bernie is Bernie the presumptive nominee now, or is Bernie a with a th- it, with with only a third of Democrats supporting him, the answer is no. Yeah, can we have a presumptive candidate here? No, well, that, or, or, that, I mean, excuse the, me, nominee. I mean, I mean, I mean, the presumptive candidate. I mean, the, the question then comes back into is, uh, you know, you look at Bernie, who's got thirty percent, and then the rest of the field by definition, scrapping have more that than out. 30%. No, but they're scrapping it out, right? I mean, when it, th- this is Donald Trump all over again. This is Donald Trump politics, where you've got 30% and then the 70% is just split amongst the others. Is this, I, I, danger- I, 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 is this dangerous for I, the Democratic I'm, I'm, I'm Party? Or is this Rich, you might know this off the top of his head. With the exception of Trump losing Iowa to, to Cruz and Ohio to uh, Kasich. Kasich. Um, I believe he lapped the field on a bunch of states. It wasn't even close. He he, he pummeled but he was, the field. But he was only winning with, correct me if I'm wrong, Rich, he was only winning with 25% of the vote. Yeah, at least in the early states, including Florida, by the way, which was Marco Rubio's home state. 
Right. But yeah, no, that's true. Essentially, he lost Iowa, then he comes back, he wins New Hampshire, he wins Ohio, and then later on in the process, it became essentially a two-man race with John Kasich being a very minor candidate. And then as that became the process, he started to win by more and more, and it just became a bigger but juggernaut. He, but, it, but he wasn't winning with big numbers. Like, again, but the, but the delegate, later on, but, in the, later on after, it, after he was the he almost became the presumptive nominee, he get he, he would get more, his percentage would get would just proliferate and proliferate and proliferate. But in the early play, in the early places, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, his wins were certainly nowhere near. I think Massachusetts was the first time he got to fifty percent. I believe. Actually, I'm also reminded of something because I What's remember that? watching that at the time. And and Rich, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, these are. These are closed-party rules. Democrats and Republicans have very different rules as far as awarding delegates. and the oh, depends yeah. on, depends on the state. Right, but the, I don't think any Democratic states have winner-take-all. There are a bunch of Republican states that do. Uh, oh, yeah, I think, yeah. Right. I think the Republicans almost all winner-take-all, I believe. So the idea—so Bernie getting 30 percent of the vote and whatever number of delegates that awards him doesn't mean second and third place don't walk away with something as well. Now, if second and third place or even fourth place continue to walk away with delegates, going to the convention, that 30% is dealing with the room full of the other 70. So you well, suddenly need to up, build a coalition. Well, this brings up, this brings up the, the other big question is, Aaron, if we do go uh, you know, to a, a brokered convention, it has... Which, by the way, Rich Bernie, breaks open the good sketch. Oh, if we go to a broker. 1952, the last time that happened, okay. it was Eisenhower the, and Stevenson. But the most exciting one ever in history was 1924. It went 104 that's, ballots. That's not the a Democratic launch. Party Rich, finally decided Rich, on a very conservative John W. Davis. Rich, that was not a launch button. Just <laughs> hold, hold, easy, 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 my friend. Uh, Aaron, okay. if, if, if we do go into Milwaukee, where the DNC will be in, in August— and we do have a situation where we have a 30% Bernie factor and then Mayor Pete Klobuchar and Bloomberg are still on the tablet. I, I hate to say this. I just don't see Joe Biden I've surviving. I've still got 15% in the national polls. So What's that? He's still at 15% nationally. He had 35% coming into the year. That I mean, that's a hemorrhage. No, and I and again, I'm a fan of Uncle Joe. Yes, but you're talking about coming away with delegates going into the convention, and you're suggesting well, Joe's not going to have any delegates at the convention. He'll he'll be able to bargain as far as being the kingmaker, but I don't think he's going to be the nominee. Aaron, am I wrong? All bets are off after that first ballot. All bets are off. Uh, I, I think a lot could change. I, I think, you know, we, we haven't brought up the elephant in the room, I think, in this conversation, which is race. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people look at the Iowa caucus as a Caucasian fest, um, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> but, you know, also, you know, in, in New Hampshire, I mean, those are white states. And, uh, you know, going into Nevada and South Carolina, we have different demographics, and I think that even white voters, we, you know, look at, <laughs> you know, race uh, as an important component to uh, electability. And I think, that, you know, also Bloomberg's uh, recent, uh, you know, the, the reporting about his, you know, racial and, and, and gender-oriented, uh, you know, tirades um, may may also end up hurting him. So I, I think there are a lot of ways that race could play out in the, the, the coming weeks. And is that going to spit out a different result come, you know, the the national um, 
convention in convention time. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. But I think that, 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 you know, what we've seen thus far is kind of an aberration, you know, in terms of, of you know, where these primaries are going. And I think we could see a turn for, you know, certain political candidates to break out. And a brokered convention could lead to all sorts of things, including not necessarily being one of the top vote, vote getters being the nominee. So, I mean, I'll have to crack up in the rule book as far as exactly what's required. But as far as but I know, the, only the first ballot are you locked in to your but, candidate. But here's here's the funny thing. Here's what gets me is Bernie Sanders is complaining about the rules that he implemented as a result of the 2016 that could now come and bite him in the rear end. Is there a level of hypocrisy in Bernie complaining about the rule book when it's convenient for him and it's not convenient for him now? Bernie's level of hypocrisy knows is epic no on someone. <laughs> and I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The My, my biggest issue with Bernie Sanders is if he, if, if he wants to run as a Democrat, be a damn Democrat. Stick around with the party. Help build the infrastructure. Try and keep these mistakes from happening. Be there in the off years when when it's really, really difficult to keep party infrastructure at the state, at the county levels going. Did you Bernie just, Sanders has did not you just, been anywhere a part of it. He dropped out of the Democratic Party immediately after losing the nomination last just, time around and then joined again for this nomination. Did you just call Bernie Sanders a dino? A dino? A Democrat name only? <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! Ber Bernie you just called Bernie Sanders a Bernie dino. Bernie Sanders calls a himself dino. that. He, he left the Democratic Party immediately after losing the Democratic primary last time around. So he joined again to get the Democratic nomination did, this time then around. Then how does a convention... Then how does a the convention... three years in between, he needs to do something for the Democratic Party. So then he how, does he walk, how does he walk into, into Milwaukee and start claiming the fact that he's got... You know, the legitimate right to the Democratic Party and expect every establishment Democrat in that arena to go, you know what, Bernie, you're our Democrat. We love you. Well, it's a it's not every Democratic establishment person in the arena. Some of those delegates are going to be his. And this I can say from firsthand knowledge in Iowa, there is a victory party for all the Democratic campaigns all showed up at the one bar that was run by a Democratic supporter while he happened to be supporting Joe Biden. He welcomed all campaigns. The only campaign I did not see a single human being representing Bernie. Was, was Bernie. Yeah, of course. Of course. Because everybody else was claiming victory. I found victory. that trouble. No, no. Not everyone else claiming victory. Everyone else realized that we're all Democrats and we all have a job to do, which is win. Right. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Hey, um, b before we go. Um, do want to say a uh, couple of things that we didn't touch on this week. Uh, well, I, I do want to ask one question. I, I, and, and Dan, this does have to go to Joe Biden. Am I missing something or do I get the impression that Joe Biden's level of, of energy towards the campaign today is not the same level of energy that we saw before the first of the year. No, it's it's the same Joe Biden. It's, it, the, I, 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 it's not taking a toll it, on it, him. It, the, it, the, it, the hemorrhaging is not taking a toll on him. Well, a it takes a toll on every, anyone. Campaigning right. is hard. Right. Campaigning is very very hard. Um, but as far as the Joe Biden that I saw in Iowa this last this last time when I was out there, and the Joe Biden I worked for twelve years ago, 
Um, it's the same Joe Biden, the same energy with with, with significantly more funding. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> but it, 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 Joe Biden is still Joe Biden. Uh, occasional gaffes and all. He is hey. he, he is Joe Biden. Well, we're going to say we're obviously going to be talking about this for weeks to come. Hey, uh, Aaron, interesting story came up this week uh, as we close out. The Census Bureau is yes. going through its decennial census right now. Yeah, I actually participated in their uh, outreach campaign. Oh, really? Yeah, I did. It was wow. very interesting. Wow. Because yeah. uh, they, they are throwing millions of dollars of TV ads out there. And you may see me in one of them. Are you, you going to be I, an actress? I, I actually portray a Russian woman who is five months pregnant. And Dan, you want to it's a long story, but I, I really, I really am. I'm, I'm in their advertisement, so you might Wait, see so, me so, like so, on a bus route so, so, coming, so, so coming the, soon. The, the Trump administration is trying to make sure all the Russians get counted. Absolutely, we, and I'm they, not even they, Russian. They, we we got that with a name like Harbaugh. Yeah, is is this ad running in Moscow? Um, <laughs> you're gonna have to ask the census your, people it's, about it's, that. It's being run by a by a Facebook bot. Wait, did you wait? Is did you get the script that it literally? said you are playing a pregnant Russian woman? No, no, no. They, 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 they were looking... Actually, I mean, I think the way that, that it was organized is very interesting. They're doing a lot of outreach to, to various demographics. I mean, they're Russian nationals in the U.S. Not Russian nationals. Excuse me. Yeah, you've got Russian nationals and you've got, you know, you know Russian, uh, Russian-speaking people you in the U.S. people of Russian so descent. Is people of Russian descent, yes, exactly. You know, in the U.S., I mean, it is a, a target demographic... Uh, um, but but they're putting a lot of emphasis in, you know, people from uh, the Middle East, North Africa. That that's been a big campaign, and so they're trying to reach out to so, historically underrepresented populations, and apparently Russia is one. It, you know, Russian Americans. R- Russian Americans are, yes. are historically underrepresented in terms of their well, outreach. Are, Rich, you're chiming in like you know. <laughs> it's, no, 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 I didn't. I was just listening. I was um, I was I was nonplussed by it. Um, it was fun and interesting. Yeah, I, you know, I, I wasn't what, aware of this. You know what they call Russian? You know what they call Americans of Russian descent? They call them white people. Yeah. Well, and um, I mean, am I am I wrong here, Dan? I I I, I am baffled on this front on so many (laughs) ways. Um, I mean, now I can say that I am actually a Russian model. (laughs) (laughs) I am. No, no, Charlie. Charlie, there is no raising the roof in the box that way. This is so bad on so many levels. No, no, but I actually. Okay, you, you I, know what? I told you. I told you. Well, our, I want to. I want to just 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 make a little save on this. What's that? Um, Please. You know, to, to to their credit, to the the U.S. The Census, Census Bureau Bureau's or credit. Russians? No, the Census Bureau's credit. I I think they had a very you know from a communications background. I think they are running a a, a very good campaign to engage. All of the facets of the U.S. demographics and population. So I, I don't think that they are, 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 you know, are targeting Russian people or people <laughs> of Russian descent, you know, heavily in their outreach. But you know, there are plenty of white people who um, who you know, identify just as Russian. Uh, who aren't getting, you know, the the word so, on, especially immigrants, so, you so know, the, the, they, they are generally underrepresented in, in, in the, the census. So taking. this actually reminds me of a, a campaign story back in 2004. I worked on the Kerry campaign. Right. And, and the various different yard signs that are out there. And there was a, a, a what was kind of an important job, but mostly a throwaway job for of constituencies that the person that was given the job turned it into a monster that 
while it annoyed the hell out of me because I was the budget director, I was also impressed that he managed to take this job of nothing and turn it into something which included getting signs of, quote, Uzbeks for for Carrie in 2004. <laughs> and I remember seeing that sign, and I was just like, wow. Wow. I, I, the, 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 the one Uzbek American that is going to vote for Carrie because that sign exists, I, I, I am happy to say we made that possible, but th- this feels like that well, kind well, of thing well, to me. <laughs> I, I, to, to, to help Aaron out of this, the Aaron's point is well taken. I, that's the question I was going to ask yeah, you. Let, is, let's talk about the census. Is, is the fact that their, their, their outreach is kicked off, and it seems yeah. to me that they're doing a really good job of displacing the citizenship, non-citizenship question and just saying, look, just answer it. There's no citizenship. Am I misreading that? Yeah. I mean, it's I think that that's always been a reason why outreach to and responses from immigrant communities, especially, you know, the undocumented or, you know, personally undocumented has been um, you know, not not counted, and and, and but, they, but they've done a good job about reaching out to them, saying, "Look, don't worry about it. We don't care whether you're here legally. Just answer the question." Yeah, and I think a lot of their information in terms of how they use the information, um, you know, they've put out a lot of uh, video content in many different languages. The census can also be taken in. Well, I know it can be taken in Russian. Um, but I think it's something like 11 different languages. I don't know. They, they have 11 languages in the UN, so Char- I might be getting mixed up. But but they Char- they, they do they, they that is one of their talking points. Char- Charlie is like just I, screaming. I'd be a bad producer if I didn't say that Anne Pasmanic, who's been on Backroom Politics, hosts a series on the census called Count on Your Census. Actually, that's right. I forgot just, about that. Sorry. No, 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 I got to no. do it. It's my job. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Anne Pasmanic, who's, who's a fan of our show, and we love her stuff, does do a census show, and it's actually informative. Yeah, it's Count on Your Census. Count on Your Census. Yeah. Uh, you can find that on all of your podcasting oh, yeah. sourcing. Yep. Uh, with that, we are now, Wow, we've already blown through that. We didn't even take a break. Uh, on behalf of uh, Dan Lipner. Rich Rubino out in Massachusetts, Aaron Harbaugh here in the studio. Uh, we got Tom the intern. Did you have fun today, Tom? It's great. Yep. Man of many words. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Charlie Bernie keeping us honest behind the box yes, there. Yes, yes. And, uh, of course, Maddie the engineer. Uh, Emma and Maddie, the other interns, will be here next week. Rob the engineer, thank you as always. Uh, you can follow us on our website at backroompolitics.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at Backroom Politic. Leave the last S off for savings. You can also follow us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Backroom Politics Radio. And soon you'll be able to have your own little cool piece of Backroom Politics. Our Patreon page will be hitting soon, right? Right? Right. Yeah, that's your job. Have a great week, America. See you.